Good morning, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you guys are all enjoying it. Just a little side out before I start. I feel like Valentine's Day is always one of those Jedi mind tricks between me and my wife, because she will tell me constantly not to buy her anything. But then I feel like she's tricking me, because then it's like, if I don't buy you anything, and I see just Happy Valentine's Day, is that going to be okay? So I tried one time. I tried one year. I was like, Happy Valentine's Day, and I kind of put the gift to the corner, and it was like, oh, Happy Valentine's Day, and there was this pause. I was like, oh, man. This is really uncomfortable. And so I was like, oh, here, I got this gift for you. And she was excited and yet with that face like, thank goodness you didn't forget. And so as a reminder, do not forget Valentine's Day. And for you singles people, as Daniel reminded me, because I do not want to also forget Singles Awareness Day where you guys can go. And I know some cultures, you guys would celebrate Single Awareness Day by having noodles with black bean sauce and reminisce about how you guys are still remaining single. So however you feel like celebrating it today, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Hopefully it's not too expensive. (laughs) But going back now to Exodus, going back now to Exodus, I want to bring you back to verse 26. And it says, when your children say to you, what does this service mean? Or what it says here in the text, what do you mean by this service? What do you mean by this service? Obviously, Moses, who's writing this passage, is at a point where he wants his people to remember something. And like it says above in verse 24, it's not for a temporary amount of time. He wants them from this day on, to always remember. It's something that will last forever. It's not something that they're going to remember, and when they get out, and they're in the desert, and they're done wandering, they're like, oh, thank goodness, I don't have to remember that. That was horrible, being a slave for that long. No. He says forever. He says forever. And when you think and dwell about forever, And what God wants you to remember. Obviously, the service is the Passover service because that's what's discussed, right? And whenever you think about the Passover service, there's this idea of being thankful, right? It's a feast. Everyone's getting together. They're celebrating. And when you're celebrating, you're celebrating typically something that you're blessed by, right? No one's dwelling on a Passover or on a celebration and thinking about all the misery that you're in. It's not, it's not going to be a great festival, right? Typically, you dwell and you think about all the great things that have happened. And here there's a specific great thing that has happened to these people that God wants them to never forget. And obviously, it's a source of great blessing, a source of great joy for them. I kind of want to take you back a little bit. And I just want you to think about your circumstance for a second. What do you feel blessed by? What do you feel best by? I bet you throughout the year you have celebrations to always remind you of what you feel blessed by, right? You have Thanksgiving to remind you why you choose not to eat so much possibly or how good turkey tastes, to be thankful for what has been provided, I think, is the main purpose, right? 
You have Christmas, hopefully for Jesus, and not for the gifts, right? You have Valentine's Day today that I don't know why you celebrate this day, right? You have all these celebrations throughout your life to remember certain things, things that you should be thankful for, things that you should consider a blessing. But the problem is I think that many times when we stay stay so fixated on these blessings, our mind becomes very attached to these blessings. It becomes preoccupied by these blessings to the point that I think if things started to change, you would think differently about your life and about your relationship with God because life gets comfortable because that's what you think about. When you wake up in the morning, you pray. I wonder how often you think about and consider God. I would think and venture, like for myself, a lot of times your prayers consist of what you're thankful for, right? You're thankful for your health. You're thankful for the house that you live in, for the children that are around you, right? Because that's what you see every day. And I'm not saying not to be thankful for those things because it's very important to be thankful for those things. But at the same time, my question to you would be, are you remembering, though, who provided that for you? Are you more concerned about those things and the well-being of those things? Are you carefully remembering? And I think many times, for us to understand how thankful we can be, we have to go back in our lives when we didn't have those experiences, when we didn't have those things, those blessings. And that's why this story and this festival takes place in a story. And I don't want to remove the story from the Passover because the story is essential to understanding the Passover. Because these people have been removed for a long time from the land, more than 12 generations. 430 years, what the text says at the very end of verse 49 or 50, I forgot off the top of my head, but it's one of those at the end of this chapter. 430 years, that's a long time for people to be removed from their original community. That's longer than the United States has been in existence. And if you think about that, and how far they've been removed from being in a community, in a relationship constantly attached with God, and being dependent upon God, it has caused them to most likely be accustomed to the culture that they're around and the people that they're around, right? Because I'm sure that if you're a second or a third generation or fifth or tenth generation American, if you were to have met your first or second generation parents or grandparents, it's very hard for you to relate to them because you guys do not share the same experiences, the same culture, right? Because the further you're removed, the easier it is to adapt to where you are. And these people being there for so long have now adapted to where they are. And if you think about their situation, their situation before they left and while they were there, it's completely different. They went from a place of no blessing, no name, no food, because at the time in Genesis, it was a great famine, and God brought them into this land, and he gave them the best. He gave them the best part of Egypt. He gave them access to all the food. And their people were so well recognized that it says in Genesis 47 that Pharaoh, who considered himself God, accepted a blessing 
from Jacob, his God, our God. And that's a crazy thing to consider because when a person does that, in that culture, what you're basically saying is that you respect them enough to bless you, which means almost not a submission, but a recognition. And that's huge. To now you get into a place in Exodus 1 and 2 where these people are so far removed from that and you have a Pharaoh that's so far removed from knowing that it says in the text that he doesn't remember, but a better translation I would argue is that he just doesn't know. And there sits a whole group of people, 600,000 men in his territory doing nothing, right? Blessed, just sitting there that he has almost no control over and he gets scared. And you can kind of see why he would get scared, right? Because there's over 600,000 men, and if at any point they wanted to join with anybody, they could, and cause a lot of trouble for him and his people. It's like if these really nice, intentioned men that you see every day all of a sudden sit in your front lawn and polish guns and say hi to you in a very nice voice, it's gonna be awkward, right? Because there's that threat but they're being so nice. So what would you do if someone thinking that threatening lived in your territory? You would suppress them. You would enslave them because that's the easiest way to take care of a problem like that. And these people were put into a situation where it became very hard and difficult and they cried out, crying out because they had forgotten God. They were so focused on their blessings and all the things that were going on in their life that they had forgotten. They had forgotten. And what have they forgotten? They had forgotten who brought them there in the first place, which was God. And because of that, God brought them to a point where he would bring ten plagues And a lot of times when we read the text, we think that these plagues are meant to release the people of Egypt, to finally get them to like a a point where he has to tap out. He just can't take it anymore. But I would argue that the 10 plagues actually are meant more for the people of Israel, the people of God. The reason is because each one of those plagues touches upon a specific God or an idea that they could have possibly had by being in the land for so long. So by the, by the time this plague comes around, the last plague, they would have no choice but to turn to God as their provider and, de- and deliverer. Why? Because he's basically shown them that I control everything. I provided for you once. I delivered for you once and I'm going to do it again. And he wants them through this Passover to remember what has happened because what is carefully not remembered is easily forgotten. And many times when you go through experiences in your life where you're going to reach out and things get uncomfortable for you, what's typically your natural reaction? So I bought a house over a year ago, and I thought it was an amazing blessing. I was like, finally, thank goodness. The reason is because I live in a very tiny home, 
And I felt like I lived in an Everyone Loves Raymond experience where I had family members coming over all the time, like five, seven times in a day. And as great as family is, it's like when your in-laws are with you for like two weeks, it gets to that weird, uncomfortable place like, oh, I like you, but there's a reason why we don't live together, right? And you're trying to say this in a nice way, but it slowly becomes this game of avoiding more and more and more, right? And so when I finally moved out of my place, I was very thankful. I felt extremely blessed. But then what ended up happening is over time, Quickly, actually, my faucet broke. Massive waves and invasions and ate everything in my house, you know. And finally to the point where my roof started to leak. And my focus was no longer or how amazing this blessing is, which turned quickly into what an amazing curse this has become. I did not feel very good putting in thousands of dollars into a home. And I only had it for not even a year at this point. And I was like, man, this sucks. Gosh. It's almost like God played like this trick on me. It went from like blessing to instant curse. And I was looking at this situation. I was like, I couldn't help but to be frustrated. And I started complaining. And I started dwelling on the problem. And I caught myself when I was thinking about this passage because I had forgotten God. I had forgotten who blessed me with it. And many times in your life, when you get uncomfortable, when things don't go your way, many times you forget how hard and how long you prayed for something to happen, right? You forget where God pulled you out from. And these people are sitting in a situation where they had forgotten. They had forgotten. That's why it's so crucial. In verse 26, when Moses writes, When your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? He's anticipating that there's going to be generations of people that are not going to know the struggle. They're not going to know. They would have never seen any of these plagues. They will never understand what has happened. And God has created a festival called the Passover that they would have to do every year to remind them of what would happen. And here in this text, as you read, it says exactly what's going to happen, right? Verse 29, the Lord came at midnight and struck all the firstborn down. And you read on, and there is an exception, right? The people that were exempt from being struck down were those that had their doorposts covered with the lamb's blood, right? Why is that important? Why is it important that they always remember this? Is it just so they can remember that God can be the ultimate provider and deliverer? Yes, yes, but there's more. Because when you read this whole passage in whole, there's a lot of detail that goes into this. It's not just do this or watch this like the other plagues. This festival that they're going to have to participate in every year has very specific requirements. Like they're going to have to eat bitter herbs. They're going to have to eat unleavened bread. They're going to, you know, they were reminded that the lamb was roasted. They had to wear sandals on their feet the night before. Why? Because 
God knew that once the tenth plague hit and killed all the people in the land that didn't have the lamb's blood, would have to leave quickly because it would be so devastating. And what God is asking them to do by leaving the land so quick is by having faith and trust in him. Because, think about this for a second, if you were in their situation, if God was asking less than, 20, in less than 24 hours to do this, how quickly could you pack up everything that you have in your house? Empty out what you had in your accounts, put it into a bag, and run home with it into a, a land that you don't even know you're going to go to with a God that you had just started crying out to again. How quickly would you place your faith in that? And what God is saying is as you leave this land and you celebrate this from now on, you will remember the faith required because by doing this, you're placing a lot of faith in God, a lot of faith in God, a lot of faith in God. Because if you cooked bread unleavened, for example, it's a lot easier to bake. You could pack more of it into a bag, right? It's not leavened. So you could probably take up like five or six, right, spots. Bitter herbs, because those were the quickest and fastest, right? It's very easy to find all the bad stuff in your garden, but it's very hard to look and decide what's going to be good. Sandals on their feet, because they would have to quickly leave and be ready to go. And the lamb was roasted because that was the quickest way to prepare meat back then. See, what is not carefully remembered is easily forgotten. And all these details exist here for the very specific purpose for them to never forget the struggle and the faith required for them to leave. So that when their children ask them, they will have an answer. But not only that, but because that God had done all these things, it should naturally force the individual to willingly do what it says in verse 47, which is that the people bowed their heads and worshiped God. It would naturally bring them to a point to recognize that they need God and that God had done the impossible for them and that he deserves the worship, that he deserves the honor. And obviously for us as Christians living today, right, the Passover means something a lot more significant than just the lamb that helped, that was cooked over thousands of years ago and blood that was shed over doorpost thousands and thousands of years ago. Because there are certain details, for example, in that passage that would have been odd to an audience back then. It would not have made sense, but they did it because God asked for it. Like, why have a perfect lamb, for example, one that's not blemished? When it says here in verse 21, go and select the lamb for yourself according to your clans for the Passover, above that actually gives you the specific requirements that God wants for this lamb for the Passover. Specific requirements. Not blemished. Year old, it says, above it also says that when it's time to cook it, you can even break one bone in its body. And God does this because 
He wants this to be remembered forever. And because this is going to foreshadow something, it's going to happen again. Because God wants them to never forget that out of any situation, the bondage that they would have been in and the freedom to go into the promised land, right? Because that's what's about to happen to them. That thousands of years later, it foreshadows something much deeper. Because as God takes care of their physical problems at that point, Scripture always leaves open the idea that one day God would come and relieve everybody of their ultimate bondage, right? Like I said, this all pertains to a story. And the story is the Bible. About how God one time had a a great relationship with his people until one day bondage came, when sin came and divided them. And what would bridge that gap? What would allow them to once again be in the same promised land with God? It'd be the blood of the Lamb be the blood of Jesus. And Jesus, as described in 1 Corinthians 5-7, is the Passover lamb that has been sacrificed. And 1 Peter 18-20 is the ransom. And it is his blood without blemish that covers us. From Romans 8-1 it says, For now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This all foreshadows what will happen for you. When you, just like in the Passover feast, remember that when you place your faith in Christ, as they placed their faith in God and that Passover lamb, that when your time comes, that God's judgment would pass over you as it did that day and allow you to enter the promised land and to free you from the bondage that you're in today. And I know that might seem like an abstract concept sometimes when I say the bondage that you're in today, but I truly believe that. And I think you should too. Because many times when we hear these kinds of words in Scripture, it seems a little... What's the word I'm looking for? I forgot already. But it seems a little vague, right? So I'm going to try to be as concrete with you as possible at the very end of this message. Because it's important to understand that being free and to remember that is crucial and important in your life with Christ. Because as most of you or some of you know, I haven't always been a believer. I only became a believer at the age of 20. And if you thought I was 25, then, you know, kudos for you. But I'm a lot older than that. But I remember a time where I didn't have Jesus. And life for me, growing up, was not a very easy one. And my life was filled with hate. Consumed by it, I would say. And I think for those of you who have forgotten what it's like to be without Jesus, I have never forgotten because I remember how certain emotions would capture me and would control me. I mean, that's why people go to counseling, right? People go to counseling because at times there are things that take control of them, like depression, 
Now, I'm not saying that counseling is a bad thing. I think counseling is a great thing. But as I went to counseling, well, my counselor taught me when I was growing up, going through it, if you guys didn't know, but I did have counseling for a few years, is that you can never get rid of those scars and you'll never forget them. And the thing is, you're not going to be able to really deal with it or forgive. But what will end up happening is, over time, you'll learn to control your emotions and your feelings, and you'll do just fine. You just have to learn to avoid the triggers, and you're okay. Because the hate that I had in my heart for a very specific individual growing up caused me to have a lot of anger issues. And it was a problem for me. And it wasn't until I met Jesus Christ that that changed for me. And someone once asked me really recently, as we were talking about my past, he asked me why I considered it good that all this happened to me. And I gave him an answer, and I was not very satisfied with it. And as I thought about this and contemplated about this and what these people struggled with, I have a better answer. It's because when I think back, it allows me to carefully remember so I never forget God and all that he's done. And when you sit down and celebrate a Thanksgiving, a Christmas, you're thinking about specific things that each holiday invokes. And with the Passover, it should invoke for you all that Christ has done for you. Everything from the blessings and even to the discomforts of life. Because there's going to be moments in your life when you pray and have been praying for so long for certain things, for health, and you've had it, and all of a sudden, it starts to erode. God wants you to never forget that he is still always your ultimate deliverer and provider. And in faith, just like these people did, when you pray, you will have to think about all that he's done and still can do for you. And that's why the Passover in this passage is so important. And that's why it echoes with this concept of children, because God wants it to be something that is truly never forgotten, something that has passed to every generation, something that these people will never forget because if they do, it should remind them of where they came from and for them to never, ever go in that direction again. That they are a new people and they celebrate in this new community. That's why it's a meal because it's meant to be celebratory. And we gather for communion. We gather during Lent and we gather during Easter to celebrate that. We do these things. Like next week, we're going to have communion. We do these things to remind us of the sacrifice required, the lamb required for you to one day enter the promised land, to be with your Lord, to be with your Savior, and who has now and forevermore set you free. Let's bow our heads and pray. Just like in worship as these people would have done in verse 7. So, Lord, thank you for today and all that you have given and blessed us with. And, Lord Jesus, help us, Lord God, 
at a greater capacity to carefully remember all that you have done and will do in our lives and help us to always consider and to always remember the cost of what that came with, Lord. And I pray that those that, Lord, that struggle today, that they would understand and remember, Lord, all that you have done and given to them, and they would turn to you in remembrance and love. So, Lord, just bless them, Lord God, and allow them to always and never forget what you have done for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.